0: Welcome to Football with Grant Wall. Thanks so much for joining me. Today's interview guest is two-time World Cup winner Becky Sauerbrunn. We've had some great interview guests lately, including Gio Reyna, Fabrizio Romano, and Kyle Martino, along with many others. So check those interviews out. It would be absolutely huge for this podcast's growth if you could subscribe, recommend us to your friends, and take just a little time to rate and review us in Apple Podcasts. Now, here's my interview with Becky Sauerbrunn. Our guest now is Becky Sauerbrunn, a two-time World Cup winner for the U.S. Women's National Team and a defender for the Portland Thorns who meet OL Rain on Saturday in the Seattle area at 8 p.m. Eastern on Twitch. Becky, thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me again. Yeah, it's good to have you back. Um, We're going to talk plenty about soccer here, but I want to start off by asking you a question about someone who is special to you. Last year, the U.S. Women's National Team players honored women who were important to them by wearing the names on of those women on the back of your jerseys. And you chose Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And we we lost RBG recently. And I was wondering what went into your decision to choose RBG in that moment for your jersey and how you felt when she wrote back to you to thank you for it.
1: I chose RBG a lot of because what we were going through as a team at the time was a lawsuit about gender equality, and so to pick a woman who spent her entire career fighting for that uh, was kind of a no-brainer for me. So she popped to my to my brain pretty pretty immediately, and I didn't know that U.S. Soccer was then sending those jerseys to those people to the women that we chose, and I got this, you know, really nice envelope in Utah. And opened it with a Supreme Court letterhead. And there's a note from Ruth Bader Ginsburg to me, thanking me for the jersey and saying that she was going to wear it um, for her twice weekly workouts. And I mean, probably the coolest, coolest thing that has ever happened to me
0: based off soccer. Wow. I assume you kept the letter. Yes, I absolutely kept the letter. Nice. Um, I, this has obviously been an event filled year in many ways, including losing RBG how have you experienced this year in soccer and in, in personal terms? And and how are you trying to approach it still?
1: I would say personally that 2020 has just been an extremely tragic year. You know, there's not, not much good that has come from it. I've lost people. Obviously you've got social unrest. You have the pandemic, you have the cancellation of the Olympics. You have then within my, my sphere of soccer, um, a limited season, you know, um, figuring out a way to, to train, to compete, to stay fit. And so it's, it's been a very odd year, but I would say overall, it's, it's definitely been tragic,
0: very tragic. And how are you approaching it still? I mean, like it's been a situation here where you haven't played that many games in the NWSL. You had the the bubble tournament, um you've had this fall series which ends for you guys this weekend um, and then you have I would assume you'll be in consideration for this national team camp that just got announced like from a from a soccer perspective how are you, how have you tried to approach all of this
1: I have tried to approach it with the perspective that you make the best of what can be done and so for me the fact that we even had the challenge cup uh, amidst the the pandemic and that we pulled it off really really well, um, I take that as a bonus, um, and you just you just take it for what it is. So you know every single day that I get to go out onto the field that I get to compete with my teammates like that that is a plus, and I'm very fortunate that we have the protocols in place, that we have the system in place that we can even do those sorts of things. Because I know for a lot of people they don't get to leave the house or they shouldn't be leaving their house. And so in a lot of ways, yes, the season has been absurd and very different, but any day that you're on the field, you got to make the most of it. And that's how I've been approaching every single day.
0: How do you feel about your game these days? <laughs> My personal game? Yeah. It's been a,
1: an odd year for me soccer-wise because I, I got injured the first game of the Challenge Cup. And so up until, I mean, even this this next game, like I've been on limited minutes. And so for me a lot of this has been getting back into actually getting healthy one and then getting myself played back in. And so it's been interesting to really kind of take a step away from my game and analyze it and work my way back to where I want to be. Uh, And so I've actually felt like I've got to add things to my game that maybe I didn't have in 2019 or even 2018. And so I'm feeling really good and I am really looking forward to the national team camps coming up, should I be considered for those? Because I do feel like there are parts of my game that I still have to discover and that I can still be impactful for any team that I play on. So I feel very optimistic, and I'm not usually an optimistic person, but I'm feeling very good about the possibilities of my game.
0: I love that you are the veteran that you are and say you still have things to discover in your game. And aside from scoring a goal every game, which I know your fans would love to see and see you celebrate, um, what are those things?
1: I think, I mean, if we want to get down to like the technical part of it, I would say my passing range and just opening that up a little bit more. Um, I think I've always been kind of a possession oriented, you know, medium to short range passing. But um, I've been really working on breaking a lot of lines, um, long diagonals, just, you know, capitalizing on space that maybe before I was a little too... Um, meek to hit and so I've been just trying to add that bravery and that courage into my game and then there are things that are a little bit more subtle like how I organize or what I demand from my teammates the standards that I keep and that I will demand the ones around me to keep and so there are things that are you know both on and off the field that I think that I need to kind of grow into and really use for the better of the team because I think there are things that I can really add as far as you know keeping standards high you know raising confidence and just you know overall leadership.
0: I do have one question about this NWSL fall series. You guys are in first place in the standings that they have. Are they going to give a trophy if if you win this thing or are you guys going to have to like make your own or like <laughs> what's what's the story?
1: Well the what we're really hoping for if we win this thing is that $25,000 is gifted to the team and that we can then put that to a charity of our choice. And so that's um, what we're we're going for is to to really get that money so that we can use it for a good cause.
0: In terms of the NWSL as a league, I'm struck. We've had Lisa Baird, the commissioner on this podcast. She's in her first year still. She came into a really tough situation, obviously, with the pandemic and trying to to get things going. And you guys were still the first U.S. sports league to... To start up again. And I, I think this year has been looked at, despite everything, as being successful for the NWSL. There's also been some angst about the five US women's national team stars who have decided to go play in England um, and whether that's an issue for the NWSL. We've seen a lot more sponsors come in. The television has been good. The ratings have been good. Where are you sort of like on? What's going on in the NWSL right now? I think the NWSL
1: is doing really well. And like you said, I think this year, even in the midst of an absurd year, we have sponsorship, we have TP partners that are interested in showing the product that we have. And going back to the players that are playing overseas, I don't see that as a knock to the NWSL. If anything, it's more like, a, hey, these teams and these organizations are willing to pay good money for these players. So if you want to keep these players WSL, you know, these different organizations, they need to be able to pay those players just as much to keep them here. So if anything, it's just kind of like, they're just going to keep raising the stakes on each other. And so I, I love that competition. I think that's great for the NWSL because we need to keep growing and we need to retain our stars, but we also need to attract stars from other countries.
0: I did want to ask you about uh, a situation that resulted from what's been going on in Utah. And obviously... They have a new owner coming in, Deloitte Hansen has been pushed out of the league and out of soccer in general, the other leagues he's been a part of. Um, you had a role in uh, this appreciate excellence apparel and I'm wondering what was your perspective on, on that story and what led to that? Really unfortunate
1: what's happening are what's been discovered in Utah. Um, from the first first reaction from Deloitte when the players decided to leave the field, and then later on when that other article came out about, uh, I think Andy Carroll and some of the higher ups in the in the front office, and obviously my name got dragged into it as a player who was seen as not attractive enough to use in marketing materials, and so for me, you know, you hear that and you feel a lot of emotions, but really it's just frustration because I am a soccer player. And if you can't market me, who has won World Cups and Olympics and NWSL championships and all, you know, individual defender awards, like you're not very good at your job. And so I was frustrated with the the whole double standard of, of what beauty is and the bogus scale that we get graded on as women. And I sent out a tweet just talking about like about excellence and appreciating excellence. And if you can't sell excellence, you're not very good at your job. And luckily breaking tea, uh, who we partner with, with the the players association for the women's national team decided to put out a t-shirt. And I was thinking, well, how could I use this for good with everything that's going on? And that week I'd been reading about Sarah Gordon's new, uh, nonprofit organization called hood space. And so I contacted her and was just like, Hey, um, no, you're starting this up. Would you be willing to uh, accept some proceeds from from this T-shirt? And she said, you know, absolutely. And so that's how it that's how it started. And and luckily, Zira King from Utah reached out to me before this last game because they were wearing an, an Appreciate Excellence T-shirt for warm up. And so really, the, the kind of the league got behind it, um, and individual players really trying to
0: push it. And you know, the pro- proceeds are going to something that's that's really good. You obviously used to play in Utah. You're in Portland now. Um, have you had contact with players still on the Utah team about sort of what's been happening there? Because there's a lot of change going on.
1: Yes, uh, I definitely have. I think I've played with some of those players way back in the FC Casey days. And so I have a lot of good friends um, on that team. And and as a captain of that team, I still in a way feel responsible for those players. And so, yeah, I definitely have, have talked to them and reached out to them and, you know, it's, it's one thing or another right now in Utah, whether it's, owners or coaches or front office. So yeah, they've really been under the ringer.
0: From a national team perspective, this was supposed to be an Olympic year. That didn't happen. Now it's scheduled for next year. Fingers crossed it happens. Um, For someone in your position who would like to be part of that, how has that changed sort of your approach to, to things or has it changed that much?
1: My approach really hasn't changed for that. I think obviously you're working under different parameters when it comes to the pandemic and getting training and getting games, but it's also making the most of those opportunities. Uh, for me, if, I, if my game is where it needs to be, you know, I feel like I have a good chance of making that team. And so my perspective is, okay, it's, it's a, a year out now. And so that's just another year for me to potentially get better and for the team to get stronger. And so for me, I see it more as an opportunity than a disadvantage.
0: We talked a little bit earlier about European club teams starting to invest more money in women's soccer, starting to bring more U.S. women's national team players over. Is that something that you considered this year? Was that a a real possibility for you? Is it something you would entertain, or would you like to basically stay in the U.S.?
1: I... There was some interest for me to go overseas but because I got injured that first game of the Challenge Cup the answer was pretty much I had to stay in a city where I knew that I was going to get the the rehab and the return to play protocols that I needed. I needed that attention and the best place for me was to stay here in Portland and so the answer was kind of I didn't really get to make the decision because didn't have a chance to.
0: You are in Portland which is a, a wonderful city. I I am wondering what it's been like living in Portland because um it's a city that's seen a fair amount this year in terms of uh the BLM protests, the the federal government getting involved with stuff in the city. Um how have you experienced that? How have you witnessed that?
1: I mean there have been, you know, pretty much daily protests. Um people marching down the street, just down the road from me. And obviously when the federal government jumped in and it became elevated, I guess I could say, um, it's just knowing where the areas are that you want to be in, that you don't want to be in. I know that our team um, within our our WhatsApp groups, we always make sure that we know what's going on if they heard that, hey, um, this, the Proud Boys are coming in uh, to stir up trouble. Like avoid these two areas, and so it's it's really about communication and us supporting Black Lives Matter. And e- even if we can't be out there protesting because of COVID, um, how are we supporting it? You know, a lot of us got together and we donated money so that we could buy snacks and water for the protesters. And so we're just trying to find ways to really support here in Portland what we can and how we can.
0: You guys have put out several statements supporting. The BLM movement uh, over the last few months. Um, I had Elise LeHue the GM of Sky Blue, on the show recently, and and one thing we talked about was league-wide, at least, so not specifying any any team or anybody in particular. She wanted more white players to to speak, to 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 act than she felt like was taking place. Do you agree with her on that at all? I will just say in general, until
1: a black person doesn't fear for their lives when they get pulled over or applies for a job or buys a house without fear of prejudice, no one is doing enough. No white person is doing enough. And so if you zoom back in to our league, yeah, we're not doing enough. Until I know that my teammates, all my teammates feel safe entering into a certain city or into a certain stadium and playing in front of a certain set of fans, like, we are not doing enough. And so, yeah, I would agree that a lot more needs to be done. And I think everyone is on their own kind of personal journey of understanding what's happening in this country. And some people are just understanding white privilege, some are understanding how to dismantle bias, and then some are what organizations can we support or what can I do to um, affect this election or even, you know, down to local elections, district attorneys, um, things like that. And so everyone's on their own, own journey, but it cannot be done. The journey cannot be over until everyone feels safe and secure and equal to one another.
0: Would you mind sharing a little bit of sort of your own journey in terms of information gathering and what how you've gone about learning more stuff, whether it's been recently or over the years about this topic?
1: Yeah, I think most recently, I would say within the last few months, it's having those really, really difficult conversations. And whether that's with my partner, Zola, who's African-American or having conversations with the players on Portland who are women of color that have experienced things that I didn't even know about and weren't aware of and we were playing in the same cities and the same games. And so having these really tough conversations and just talking to one another and then trying to understand and we're never going to understand what it's what it's like to to live in the shoes of a of a black woman in America. And so for me it's doing the best that I can to know and then what's the next what's the next step and it's action. And so for me, it's the organizations that I support, whether financially or I support by you know, being a soccer player. So if it's like the US Soccer Foundation and there's a group that's doing wonderful work and bringing soccer to underserved populations, like how can in my sphere, which is the sphere of soccer, have the most influence? And so it's still a journey for me and I'm still trying to figure out how best to, to use my voice and use my platform and amplify the voices of my players uh, and my teammates. And it's an, it's an on, ongoing work, but it's I'm willing, very willing to do it.
0: Thanks for sharing that. I always ask you this question because I know you're uh, a voracious reader. What are you reading these days?
1: Here, actually. I have it right here with me. It's the third book. Um, it's called The Empire of Gold. It's a very, very okay. nice, uh, I would say, fantasy epic. Um, but yeah, it's fantastic. And I accidentally bought the large print edition. And so this book looks a lot thicker than it is. Um, but that's, uh, that's <laughs> rush buying for you.
0: So I just noticed Megan Rapinoe's memoir comes out on November 10th. Have you read an advanced copy? Will you read this book?
1: I have not read an advanced copy. And I probably will read Pinos. I haven't read a lot of my other teammates. And I don't know if that's on purpose or I just have never gotten around to it. But because I've known her since I've been 15 and consider her a close friend, uh, I'm, I'm excited to to see it, to read it. Um, and I hear it's more about her activism, which is also something I'm really proud of her for kind of really stepping into the limelight and really using her voice for good. And so um, I'm proud of her. And yeah, I'll probably I'll probably support that book and buy it.
0: I was gonna ask you because the follow up here was you had several teammates write memoirs besides Megan Rapinoe, Carly Lloyd, Hope Solo, Abby Wambach. You haven't read a lose?
1: No, I haven't. I haven't. Um, I think it's I think it's a little different when you like you know that person you've played with them. Uh, you think you know their story. I mean, and maybe I'm I'm completely wrong, but no, I haven't read anyone else's. Well,
0: thank you so much for coming on the show, Becky Sauerbrunn and the Portland thorns will meet ol rain on saturday at 8 p.m eastern on twitch becky really appreciate it
1: thanks for having me on
0: thanks for listening to football with grant wall if you like the podcast you could do me a huge favor and hit that subscribe button and provide a rating and a review i can't tell you how much that helps i'd like to thank becky Sauerbrunn as well as producer chris whittingham I also want to thank Taylor Rockwell and Daryl Grove of The Total Soccer Show for everything they've done to help get this show off the ground. I'm back soon with another interview of someone from the soccer world. Be safe, everyone. See you next time.